Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special bonus edition of Crazy Money. This is the first in a series I call the Coronacation Conversations about Commerce. Today, I have my first interview with my friend, Marshall Childs, owner of the Laughing Skull Lounge here in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, you're probably thinking, Coronacation Conversations about Commerce? Paul, come on, that alliteration is too on the nose. And you'd be right, but just know that I didn't include COVID, comedy, or quarantine in the title, all right? I restrained myself to three. But I do think in this time, I have an opportunity to bring a little uh, humor, insight, and perspective to the world. So I thought it would be interesting to talk to business owners and have them share, frankly, what kind of an impact this situation is having on their businesses. And Marshall will share how painful it was to temporarily and indefinitely close the doors of his club. Before we jump into that, I want to say thanks to all the listeners who emailed this week, Amanda, Harry, and Joseph. Thank you for your interest. And you, dear listener, if you have feedback, guest suggestions, or you just want to condemn everything that I stand for as a human being, you can email me at paul at crazymoneypodcast.com. Paul at crazymoneypodcast.com. Okay, the Laughing Skull Lounge is an 80-seat comedy club in Midtown Atlanta attached to the Vortex Restaurant, and it is one of the grooviest places you're ever going to visit. When you walk into the Laughing Skull Lounge, you can feel that the people who run it, that is Marshall and his team, don't leave details to chance. They're very intentional about the kind of experience they want you to have there. They want you to come in. They want you to have fun. They want you to laugh. They want you to have a few drinks and leave happier than when you walked in. I'd say that's basically what they're looking for. And the environment that they've created there, both in the showroom, both with the music, both with the lighting and the decoration, and in the backstage area reflects an undying, focused commitment on the comedy experience. I always say, if you want to figure out how much comedy club owners care about comedy, look at the green room. And if there's a mop bucket with dirty mop water in it, they don't care about comedy. They think about it as a business and the comedians are just employees. That's not how Marshall thinks about it. That's not how the team thinks about it. And it's reflected in the environment and the way things go down in their club. And so it's scary. Marshall decided to close the club before the city ordered all bars and restaurants closed, which I think was the right decision. Clearly in retrospect, everybody would think that, but it's a scary time. And we talk about that. This is the first time he's ever had to close his doors unexpectedly. I think he said 11 years they've been in business and man, we don't know what's going to happen from here. So the toll is not only financial, but emotional. And you'll hear that in Marshall's voice. Before we jump into the interview, I want to say hello and thanks to all the Laughing Skull employees, Ben, Bob, Madison, Mike, Ian, Brittany, Brian, Plug, Joe, Katie, and of course, all the bartenders, servers, hosts, hostesses, cooks, busboys, security at the Vortex. Cannot wait to see you all real soon and look forward to laughing together in a room. I mean, I will bring my own microphone. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to do that, but I look forward to being back there with you. Hey, if you want to help out Marshall and the staff at the Laughing Skull and plus probably a few of the local comedians, I will not be participating in that. But some of the other local comedians who need a little help getting through this time, go to laughingskulllounge.com and click on support our staff on the front page. What they're doing is they're selling ticket packages of eight shows for a hundred bucks, which is a great bargain, way under what they're normally charging for tickets during normal times. And these tickets will be good for 12 months after the club reopens. That's laughingskulllounge.com. Click on support our staff. 
And now please enjoy my conversation with my friend, Marshall Childs. Marshall, it's Tuesday, March 24th, 2.07 PM. Who's performing at the Laughing Skull tonight? Uh, coronavirus. <laughs> coronavirus! That's who's performing there. How long has the Laughing Skull Lounge been open? We are in our 11th year of business. So 11 years. Gotten past all those numbers that you hear about for being a, a business. You know, get past the first year, get past the third year, get past year number five. You get to year number 10 and they're like, all right, man, that's pretty good. Once you're at that point, you've got a high percentage of being successful. But that's, you know, if the world is still working. How was business up until about two weeks ago? We were crushing it. I mean, we had Kevin Hart at our club for a month at an ADC club working on his next special, his next hour. And it was, it was just surreal. It's, it's like, it was, I was in shock for a week after we closed because we were just crushing it, you know, and doing great. And our followers were blowing up and we're doing everything was just like, this is Candyland. And then all of a sudden, bam, it all goes away and you're at the dentist getting your teeth pulled out. Marshall, when was the first time you heard of coronavirus and when did it occur to you that this might affect your business? Well, I was one of the first ones to be like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. This looks like it's much worse than what, you know, SARS and swine flu and Ebola and all the ones that come up every five or six years. And my wife thought it was crazy. Other people thought I was just overreacting. And I went ahead and ordered masks and I got them in like before all the stuff started closing. That's how early I was invested in this. How much are you selling those masks for online right now? Um, nothing. I'm actually hiding them from my family. So I hope this doesn't come out anytime soon. I knew early on that this was probably going to be a thing. And then as it kept getting further and further, I was like, okay, this is pretty serious. And then it really didn't hit me until we close on March 13th. I probably didn't fully start accepting this as a possibility until March 10th. Mm. And it took me a few days and of conversation. And, you know, I remember, I mean, it's actually kind of weird. I did, thought I was at a point where I was okay with it, but I just remembering getting up on that Sunday morning because Monday it was March thirteenth. That Sunday morning, and writing the announcement because I mean I didn't sleep, and it's like I remember I cried when I wrote it. Uh, I cried when I read it. I actually get emotional right now. I, it, it was uh, it was unfathomable. It's unfathomable, and it wasn't even about like my business closing as much as what it meant as to why it was closing. And it took me probably, it closed on Monday. It took me like Wednesday night is when I had another really good cry about everything at the end of the day when everybody went to bed and I was just outside finishing my fourth vodka soda. And I just realized how how much the bubble's gone. The bubble we are living in is gone. Do you think it's gone for good? Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to have that what security we felt before, some of that is going to be taken away. Nowadays, I mean, it, it, a year from now, it's going to be somebody's going to sneeze in public and people are going to be reacting a little bit differently, either externally or internally. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just one example of it all. I mean, I, I really think that, you know, this new economy that's coming along is going to be a lot more people working out of the house. There's going to be a lot of retail and commercial real estate that's not going to be filled. And it's just, you know, it's, I feel like what's happened to the world is a, is a freaking etch-a-sketch and it's maybe going to be, I don't even know, it's, it's maybe going to be 50 or 60% of what it felt like before. How did you make the decision to shut down? What factors were you juggling? I was juggling 
keeping everybody safe and not being part of the problem and realizing, you know, flatten the curve. Like I was really kind of resistant. My, it was funny. I bought into this early and my wife thought it was, I was overreacting. And then at that point she was the one telling me, no, you got to understand we got to flatten the curve. She's the one who introduced that concept to me and, and maybe read the article and we started talking about it. And I was like, well, that just makes sense, you know? And, and so, yeah, it was basically on that. It was, it was a greater good. It was a greater good mm-hmm. of, um, of everything. How many employees do you have? Total, uh, you know, get, cutting checks outside of the comedians is I think nine and three are my, my core team that work full time. And other six are part time and, you know, still key factors. So, yeah. How are you, if at all, taking care of your employees while you're shut? Well, I had set aside money for a rainy day. And so I'm able to cover them for a while and also their insurance. So they're very happy, you know, and then some of the ones that were part-time, I'm still taking him, taking care of them too, you know? And, and it's interesting, Paul, cause I remember uh, I've had this saying for years, I treat my employees like volunteers, you know, cause you can buy their hand, they volunteer their heart and yeah, we're doing stand-up comedy shows we're not selling insurance or used cars or whatever. It's a different animal. It's like everybody's got a lot of passion. That's why they're there. But I've treated my employees like volunteers so that they would, you know, volunteer their heart. At this point, it was like doing this and saying, I'm going to cover you guys for a little while was buying their heart, you know? And it was like, uh, they're all like, I can't believe, you know, thank you for taking care of us. And most of my friends don't have this. So, and we're also having meetings about every other day. Because, you know, it is time to kind of figure out some other options, some maybe some other game plans and some other plays at this time. What are you considering? I'm thinking about becoming a cam girl. I hear they're pretty good. Um, uh, Marshall. <laughs> uh, no, actually, you know, figuring out ways to still do entertainment for our fans over the internet. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? That's the overall objective. But what does that look like? And, you know, how can you monetize that? Hey, everybody, it's Paul. Yeah, the same Paul that was just talking to Marshall. But now I want to talk to you about a killer new app that I just got. It's called Good Pods. Did you know there's over 900,000 podcasts on iTunes? 900,000. And guess what? Most of them suck. How do you separate the wheat from the chaff? Well, you use your friends to do that. And you use Good Pods, the new app that's just like Goodreads for books. Legally, they probably can't say that because Amazon owns Goodreads and you don't want to mess with Amazon. But it's the same concept, right? How do you learn about stuff you're probably going to like through recommendations from your friends? Good Pods is both a social network and a podcast player that allows you to see what your friends like, to steal their good ideas and improve your life in the process. What could be easier than that? Go to the App Store right now and download Good Pods. G-O-O-D-P-O-D-S. And when you do, search Crazy Money, follow the show, follow me, and share it with all your friends. Good pods in the App Store now. How long can you last paying your employees? Probably about uh, a month or two, Mm. a couple months. And the thing is, is that I think that's going to be fine because starting, you know, the latest news in regards to the corona support for the federal government is April 2nd is when they can start kicking in and helping out. 
And I think what I'm hearing too is that, you know, it's going to take about 60 days to get the money. Mm -hmm. So I should be able to keep them covered getting all that in play. I already, I've already filled out all my federal paperwork mm -hmm. with the SBA. So now I don't know what that translates over, but so I'm in the process of, you know, I think I can, I'm hoping to be able to cover them for until we open again. And I don't, I don't know when that is. On a scale of one to 10, how stressed are you? Eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, on a scale of one to 10, how stressed are you? Uh, not an eight. I mean, I don't have any employees. I don't have, you know, I'm in a, I'm blessed to be in a different position. I mean, we've been just murdered from a financial asset standpoint, but we're not going to miss any meals and nobody's going to, nobody's relying on me to pay their rent. So my point of view right now is to try to manage my own attitude so that my kids and my wife and I can thrive during this period you know, try to balance. There's a lot of people out there hurting right now. I know that, but try to balance short-term needs versus those long-term philanthropic commitments that we've already made as a family that are significant. And that remains my first priority from helping other people standpoint. Well, that's great because I thought about that too. I mean, you know, my wife is the event director for a Marriott golf tournament for TOA, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. They're not going to have that event this year. They raised like a, almost about $150,000 for them last year. Yeah. You know, so giving blood and any kind of donations you can give. I mean, Laura's with Marriott. She's getting furloughed. So yeah. my club's closed and my wife's out of work and I've got two kids. Then I have these employees. And I've said it before. It's like the reason why owning a business and being a business owner is so tough is because most people shouldn't do it. You know, I take very serious the fact that people are counting on me to, you know, pay their rent and feed themselves. And, you know, I've had employees with kids. That's a whole nother level of obligation. It's like, I'm not making these decisions based on my family. It's all these other families. Yeah. You know, so most people shouldn't be business owners. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's been, it's been interesting. And also talking about kids, one thing I realized the other night is that our children are watching us. You know, here that's a good, we are. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Right. Like they're watching how you handle this. I'm sorry. Yeah. There have been several nights where, you know, I just said, screw it. I'm going to, you know, have some vodka and sodas, you know, just check out for a day. But I can't do that every night. You can't go into this stress situation and be getting drunk every night in front of your kids. I mean, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, usually when you have challenges, your kids aren't next to you 24 seven. Yeah. You know? So, so it's, I'm, I've got this mindset of like, I'm not only doing it to save my family. I'm also doing it to show my kids. This is how you handle the greatest challenges that, that you'll ever face. It's a different walk looking at it from that angle. Prior to this, what was the most stressful experience you've had as a business owner? Probably my first year opening this club, I had a three-year-old and a six-month-old. I made $10,000 that year. You know, when I first opened up, I had this one investor that kept dragging his feet on everything and I had the, you know, open date coming and I had to go tell him to screw himself. And so I opened without enough money and what savings we had, credit cards, didn't pay sales tax. You know, <laughs> I just did what I had to do and, and I made it work. You know, and so that year was probably the most stressful year of my life. I'm going to open back up. We're all going to open back up. And guess what? When I open back up, now it's not from scratch. Now it's with 
you know, 50,000 social media followers. It's with this reputation. It's with this amazing club. It's with, you know, Kevin Hart's going to be popping back in. So I'm going to be fine when we open back up. But until then, you know, how do you manage? And then what are you looking to do to help diversify, for me, diversify myself in order to be able to weather bumps in the road better? What will you do differently when you reopen? How will this change the way you run your business? At first, I'm going to take out 30 seats. You know, we're an 80-seat club. And we had already done that the last day. And just it's more spread out. People felt better about that. The comedians felt better about it. The audience felt better about it. They felt good about it. And so we're, we're going to less capacity for a while until society starts feeling more comfortable sitting in a room, touching shoulders with strangers. And then what about in the long term? Like, will you be more conservative with your cash? Will you hire fewer people? Will you take on less risk? How do you think this will change your attitude as a business person? Well, on the money side of it, yes, 100%. I'm going to be putting more money to the side. I was already doing well with that because mm-hmm. I live well below our means. It's, it sounds, um, by the way, I think you were to be commended for continuing to pay your employees because I know a lot of clubs, a lot of restaurants aren't doing that. Many aren't in the position to do that, but many just aren't doing it, period, even if they could. Right. And I get that decision too. But the way I look at it, man, is like this team, these people are what helped me live this amazing life of being a successful business owner is, you know, I'm travel all the time. You and I are friends. You see, we travel all the time. I'm at home a lot. I just get up, go to the club when I want to perform and come back. I'm don't get me wrong. I'm doing my stuff during the day, but these people are what, you know, are my, are my lifeblood. And so I want to make sure they stay as healthy as possible and as happy as possible. Mm-hmm. So giving to others is a selfish act, you know, and so and there's many benefits to it. So, yeah, I want them to be not stressed any more than they need to be. And besides that, as a business owner, you're supposed to have two months reserves. What are you doing? You know, I was, I've been in business for 11 years. I better have two months reserved. <laughs> you know, it's these other ones out there. Most business, I think I shared this with you earlier, but you know, in 2008, 2009, I heard a great saying, the recession will catch what the bookkeeper can't. And what that means is that all these companies that have been run horribly, but they've been able to make it because of the fat of the economy, they're the ones who are going to shutter first if they haven't already. Yeah. You know, the businesses like the Vortex where I'm at, they're a super solid business. They're going to yeah. be fine. It's yeah. the businesses that are don't even know how to have a systems and, and uh, process in place or all this other stuff that you're supposed to be doing at this level. Those shouldn't be open. I think this rewrite of American businesses is going to be a good thing in the long run. Yeah, there's the old expression – Sometimes attributed to Warren Buffett, though, who knows if it really was, but it's like, you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. And I think <laughs> the, yeah. the tide, it, tide is going out, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to see some naked people. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's a good, I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, man, I want to uh, thank you for sharing your story and wish you very good luck in weathering this storm. And I cannot wait to be back on stage at the reopened, vibrant club that I love, the Laughing Skull Lounge. Yeah, I can't wait to see you on there myself, my friend. Gosh, that's a great question. I just realized, who's the first comic back on the stage? Max Fine. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm going to play the card. It's going to be me. Oh, well, you know what? Good for you, man. Good for you. 
All right. Well, hang in there. Enjoy your vodka sodas when you decide it's time and I'll talk to you soon. I'm going to take that as a uh, invitation to do it now. I appreciate it, Paul. All right. Take care, Marshall. Thank you, Crazy Money. Thank you, Marshall. I am grateful to you for sharing your pain and your commitment to your business, your club, to the environment, to comedy in Atlanta. I'm, I'm very grateful. Folks, if you want to help out the staff at the Laughing Skull, go to laughingskullounge.com and pick up one of their eight ticket packages for a hundred bucks. That's a great discount over the normal prices. And those tickets will be good for any show that's not a special event like when Kevin Hart shows up, but for all the best of Atlanta shows and for many of the other headliner weekends, those tickets will be good for 12 months after the club reopens. Also, go to the app store when you're done here and download the app Good Pods. That is a really cool new way to sort all the 900,000 crappy podcasts that are on iTunes, help you find the ones you really like. Make sure you follow me, follow Crazy Money and share it with your friends. I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. Mike Carano, make me sound smart.